welcome back to Bethesda Broadcast. Last week, Pastor Roy started a series of messages from John chapter 8, looking at the first of four major concerns of Jesus. Today, we will jump into the second major concern of Jesus, starting in verse 12. Open up your Bibles and join us as we dig into God's Word. Well, we are continuing on in John chapter 8. Last week, I had four points. I made it through one. I'm going to make it through the second one today. Uh, I was reminded of Charles Spurgeon when he said, By perseverance, the snail reached the ark. And uh, eventually, we're going to get there. Uh, but it's important that we take our time and work through it because I think Jesus has made some very, very important points for us to, to look at and So by way of review, I want to review a little bit of what we talked about last week. If you were not here last week, don't think you're going to get all 30 minutes of it. Uh, I'm going to have to go fast, so uh, if you want the full length of that, uh, pick up the video or watch the service video online uh, and go from there. But John chapter 8 begins with the the woman who uh, had committed adultery, drug before Jesus, um, and one of the things that Jesus addresses is judging that we need to be careful for our judging. And he talked about the basis of their judging was the law of Moses. And they look specifically, we look specifically at, I'm just going to mention this one here, Leviticus 20.10. If a man commits adultery with another man's wife, with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress must be put to death. This is what they were asking Jesus to do, is uphold the Mosaic law. And there was another verse we looked at too in uh, Deuteronomy And so they're bringing him to Jesus and saying, are you going to uphold the law or not? And basically, really, what they were doing is they were trying to trap Jesus uh, into something. And Jesus said, let him that is without sin cast the first stone. He made an appeal to their conscience. And that's what Jesus does. And they realized that all of them were just as guilty as the one they were casting judgment on. And the truth of the matter is we're all guilty. We're all guilty before God. We're all sinners. Some are sinners saved by grace. Others are still sinners outside of grace. But we all need grace in our lives. They also judge by flesh, human standards. And Jesus talks about that down in verses 15 and 16 uh, of John chapter 8. The motivation for their judging was to trap Jesus. They were not interested in righteousness or purity in any way, shape, or form. They were interested in accusing Jesus saying he was a fake, he was a fraud, he was not really who he claimed to be. So their motivation was wrong. The reality regarding judgment. In Ecclesiastes 12, 14, God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. God is going to bring it into light, and we will be judged on that. So therefore, God will judge every deed. We need to leave it with him. He is the eternal just judge, and we need to leave it with him. Hebrews 13, 4 says, Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Powerful, powerful scripture. So therefore it says, God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. But I also said, if this is something from your past, and you have put it under the blood, you have confessed it, you've repented of that sin, and turned and trust Christ, you can claim secondary purity. Live a life of purity from here on out. God does forgive, and our past is put in the past. Never be remembered again. But that's where it needs to stay. 
And we need to live a life of purity. Romans 2.6, God will give to each person according to what he has done. God will also judge us based on what we have done. We just read that in Romans 2.6. Matthew 7.1-5 says how we are to judge others. Before we judge others, we are to judge ourselves. So principle number four, Jesus taught that self-examination should precede pronouncing condemnation. Before we take the speck out of someone else's eye, he said, take the telephone pole out of your own, as it were, the plank that you have in your own eye. And so it's a good reminder for all of us, particularly as we come into the Super Summer Jam, and we're going to come across people who may not look like us or think like us or act like us. If they're pagan, they're not supposed to. But rather than us casting judgment, why don't we be a channel of grace to them? And reach out to them with a spirit of love, knowing they need the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. There should never be a person who comes through the doors of Bethesda Church who doesn't feel welcome. We should go out of our way to make people feel welcome. We should do everything we can to show them the love of Jesus Christ. We have no idea what they've been through. And what I shared with you a couple weeks ago, that we look at people through the eyes of a doctor and not the eyes of a judge. That's what God wants us to do. Today we're going to talk about light, what Jesus said concerning light. He goes on and he tells us, and down in verse 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus talks about light, that he is the light. Light is important. When we moved from Virginia to our home here in Huron, some of you heard the story. We moved here. We bought the house online. We did not see the house physically except for pictures online. And so when we got here, we never dreamed we'd ever buy a house online. Believe me. But we figured God had put everything together and we just trusted him. We had some people go through it. But when we got here, we said, well, let's go in and see what we bought. <laughs> so we walked in the house, and we started flipping light switches on. And guess what? We went into the, we have a room just off our, our dining room. It's like a sitting room area. We flipped the switch. There was no light. We go into the living room. We flip a switch. There's no light. We go into the bedroom and flip a switch. There's no light. We go into the other bedroom and flip a switch, and there's no light. I said, what do these people do? Live in the dark? Um, it's all lamps. So we had to bring our lamps in, and it was just, it was like a, a you know, I said it was a little M&M moment. Not M&Ms of the chocolate multicolored candy. It was M&M, a Midwest meltdown. That's <laughs> what it was. Uh, some of us are more than others, but we won't go there this morning. I'll keep myself out of trouble that way. But the purpose is light is essential when you're in the dark. Jesus is saying here, I am the light of the world. These people are in absolute darkness. We are going to run across people this week who are in absolute darkness. And they need the Lord Jesus Christ. They have no direction for their life whatsoever. And I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. Here's what light does. It provides guidance for people. Jesus is saying, I'm coming to be a guide for you. Now remember, the Feast of Tabernacles had just happened. 
So right on the heels of the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. This is very important because during the Feast of Tabernacles, do you know what they did in the, in the temple area? They had lights and they had a lighting ceremony, as it were. They would go around and they would light the lamps and they would burn and, and, prevent, and, and present light for people around the temple area. Well, at the end of that festival, the lights would be put out. And Jesus comes now and says, I'm the light of the world. I am the one who's going to give you direction. I'm the one who's going to give you guidance in your life if you will trust me for it. And so what a beautiful picture that Jesus gives. It's really a reference even back to the Exodus when the Israelites were taken out of Egyptian bondage because the Feast of Tabernacles was reviewing God's history and his provision for them. Do you remember as they were making their way through the wilderness, there was a pillar of fire by night. The pillar of fire by night was God's presence and God's faithfulness. And so Jesus is saying, remember the pillar of fire that brought you out of Egyptian bondage, your forefathers. Now here is the light of the world here in the flesh. And so Jesus is able to show that to them that he is going to be here to be the guide that they need. Culture says, let your conscience be your guide. The Bible says, let Jesus be your guide. Look here in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in one. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And what is right after this? He leads me. See, it's not rules that lead me. It's a person. It's a relationship. He leads me. He leads you. He wants to be involved in our lives as the light of the world to give us direction. Beside quiet waters, he restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness. He wants to lead us and he wants to guide us. Are there lots of decisions we have to make in life? Absolutely. And God wants to be there as the guide to give us what we need. J.I. Packer says this, Belief that divine guidance is real rests upon two foundation facts. First, the reality of God's plan for us. And second, the ability of God to communicate with us. And has he not given us his written revelation, which is a book of light, because it reveals God's mind and God's heart and God's plan for us. He has revealed it to us. And so it gives us guidance. And the second thing I would say, uh, after this verse here, this leads us into the next point. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. When it talks about God's word unfolding, it's saying it's like an open door. God opens the door to the truth, and he does it in the person of Jesus Christ. I am the light of the world. He says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. God has given that to us. There was a Dr. Gardner Taylor. He was a pastor who preached many, many years ago. And he shared a story about when he was preaching in Louisiana during the Depression. Electricity was just coming into that part of the country, and he was out in a very rural black church that had one little light bulb hanging from the ceiling to light up the whole sanctuary. 
he was up there preaching away, and in the middle of his sermon, all of a sudden, the electricity went out, and they were sitting in the dark. And he was a young preacher, and he wasn't sure what to do, and he was stumbling around, and he finally heard one of the older elders in the back yell out, Preach on, preacher! We can still see Jesus in the dark! And isn't that what we want to do? We want to present Jesus to people who are in the dark so they can see him and know him and believe him. The second part of this is Jesus provides enlightened discernment. When God's word is opened up, it provides enlightened discernment for us in our lives. Paul says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. When our heart, eyes of our heart and enlightened, we begin to see us for who we are. We see God for who he is in order that we may know the hope to which he has called us. We've been singing that song about hope changes everything. That we may know the hope to which he has called us, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. There is enlightened discernment, enlightened judgment for the believer. Because we know Jesus Christ. And it is crucial in our lives that we have that. He goes on to say, the psalmist says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. The lamp in Bible times was just a little, little lamp that held a little bit of oil with a little bit of wick. And you could walk around with it or set it up on a lampstand and it would bring light to the house. He's saying God's word will shed light on our path where we're going, what we're doing who we're with, all those things. And I'm going to talk about it just a little bit further in a minute. Here's what St. Augustine said, For no creature, howsoever rational and intellectual, is lighted by itself, but is lighted by participation of divine truth. If we go all the way back to John chapter 1, the Bible says that Jesus is the light that lights every man who comes into the world. Apart from Jesus Christ revealing himself to mankind... We will never come to the knowledge of the truth. The only way somebody can come to a knowledge of the truth is for Jesus to reveal himself. Light also provides security. Psalm 27.1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? There is a security for the believer in Jesus Christ. You know, this past week, I had the opportunity to talk to a man I talked to a number of months ago that I shared the gospel with, and I I was talking to him again this week, and as I was talking to him, we were just small talking, and I said, have you thought any more about our discussion about the Bible? And he said, no, haven't. And uh, he said, you're not going to change me. And I said, you know what? I can't change anybody. I can't even change myself. I said, really, only God can give us the power to change. I said, but you know, Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sin and shed his blood. And I said, I'm concerned about your eternal destiny. I said, because the truth of the matter is, all of us are either going to heaven or hell. And I said, therefore, we have an eternal destiny that is at stake. And I said, it greatly concerns me, and I'm concerned for you. And he said, I appreciate that. And so I was able to share with him again that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin. 
And that is the only provision that is given for mankind to be redeemed, to be changed. And so as I was able to share that with him, he listened, and then I, and then I stopped because I, the Holy Spirit has to quicken his heart. When I got up to leave, he said, don't give up on me. I said, I won't. I won't. God doesn't want us to give up. We have the opportunity to be his testimony. Light gives testimony to what is true. Or we could say Jesus gives testimony. He's the light of the world. Light gives testimony to what is true. Jesus gives testimony to what is true. Does he not? He does. He goes on and he talks about his origin. The Pharisees challenge him in verse 13. Here you're appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I came from, origin, and where I am going, destiny. And what do people want to know? How did I get here? Why am I here? Where am I going? What is it all about? Jesus has a complete understanding of that, and we do too once we come to Jesus Christ. I understand my origin. I understand my destiny. I understand my purpose in life and why I'm here. They are both wrapped up in his identity. His origin and his destiny are both wrapped up in his identity of who he is. So him revealing himself. And how many people do you hear say, well, I'm trying to find myself. (laughs) I'm trying to find myself. You're going to find yourself when you understand your origin and your destiny, and it's wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ. Your identity crisis, that's where it is. It's in Jesus Christ. And that's where we have to go to. Light also characterizes followers of Christ. This is vital. If Jesus is indeed the light of the world, then guess what we are? We are his light. Because we've come to him and he has changed us. Let me give you a couple scriptures. The believer's identity is clear in Scripture. 1 Thessalonians 5, 5, You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. And here's what it means when it talks about darkness. Scotia, it is only a figurative term for sin itself, but also for the consequences of sin. We are not of the darkness. We are of the light when Jesus has changed our lives. He tells us in Ephesians 5, 8, For you were once darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Live as children of light. How do we do that? Walking in the light comes from obeying the truth. If you and I are going to be the light and radiate Jesus Christ, it will come from our obedience to the truth. We are either a stepping stone, shining for Jesus Christ, or we are a stumbling block, preventing people from coming to Christ. What are we about? In John three nineteen and 21, I don't have this on the screen, but let me read this for you. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth, listen, Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light 
so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Here's what walking in the light will do. It gives me relational direction. Who am I going to be friends with? (laughs) Who am I going to spend time with? Who am I going to hang out with? Relational direction comes from walking in the truth and understanding God's word because he gives clear direction for that. It also gives me decisional direction. There are a ton of decisions to make. In fact, you know, going grocery shopping is, is crazy anymore. You know, there are 20 different, 27 different brands of Crest toothpaste. I don't know if it's true, but I, I read that recently. And I don't know how many different types of Cheerios. I mean, it's unbelievable how many different brands of things. Decisions are overwhelming. But then there's even more important decisions. And God is there to guide us if we will open his word and listen to it and do what it says. Don't make decisions based on emotion. Make decisions based on truth. That's the only thing that will guide us. There have been times in my life where emotionally I didn't want to do something. (laughs) And I could have just as easy not done it, but I decided to say, no, wait a minute. The truth is God wants me to do this. Even though I don't feel like it, I don't want to, I'm doing it because God said to. And the emotions catch up. It's vital that we don't allow emotions to guide us. A.T. Pearson said, To go as I am led, to go when I am led, to go where I am led, it is that which has been for 20 years the one prayer of my life. Don't make major decisions without bathing it in prayer and making sure that it lines up with the Word of God. Because otherwise, you're going to find yourself someplace that you should not be doing something you should not be doing with people who you should not be with. And God wants to guide us. It gives me marital direction. Young people, you're looking for a mate? God gives light about what we should be looking for in a mate. And don't compromise. Do not compromise to get that mate. God has the person for you. My wife, you guys have heard our story. She waited so long for a mate. I said, God never introduced us for years because he was waiting for me to grow up. And I finally grew up. And it's vital that we have that. I I still remember when when I asked Pam's dad to have permission to marry her. You know, he, he came down to Lynchburg where we were living, and, and I think he was, he might have been more nervous than I was. Um, you know, we, we started taking off in a vehicle, and he was driving, and we're going across town. Lynchburg is a little bigger than Huron, but it's not New York City, okay? It's not that big at all. Anyhow, we drove just a few minutes down the road, and he's like, are we still in Lynchburg? <laughs> I think he was just trying to think of something to say, <laughs> And uh, finally, I was able to sit down and tell him of, that I loved his daughter and wanted to get married and marry her to make her my wife. And I said, now, if you have any questions at all, because I said, I, I, I know God has called me to ministry, but I can't tell you when and I can't tell you where because <laughs> I don't have that yet. But I, I know that God has called me to ministry. And, um, you know, so I was looking at him and I said, so if you have any questions at all that I can answer, please let me know. And he looked at me and he says, I don't know what I would ask you. (laughs) 
And so, of course, it was his only daughter, so it was new for him too. But God will give us direction. It gives me vocational direction as well. I can tell you, God, you know, the various jobs that I've had, and God has taught me something at every one of those. And there's things he wants to teach us, but we have to say, God, what type of work should I pursue? What have you gifted me to do? What have you created me to do and to be? And to really ask God to give you that direction. It also gives me moral direction for my life. Psalm 19.8 says, The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. It gives me moral sensitivity. It guides my conscience to pursue purity and holy living. It gives me spiritual direction as well. And the last one, it gives me eternal direction, which is most vital. I want to finish with these words from Chris Tomlin. The song has been sung here in this church, and it's called, I Will Follow You. And I think it's a good thing to close on. Listen to these words. And he's talking, and he says, where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Where you move, I'll move. I will follow. All your ways are good. All your ways are sure. I will trust in you alone. Higher than my sight, high above my life, I will trust in you alone. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Where you move, I'll move. I will follow you. Who you love, I'll love. How you serve, I'll serve. If this life I lose, I will follow you. I will follow you. Light unto the world. Light unto my life. I will live for you alone. You're the one I seek, knowing I will find all I need in you alone. In you alone. May that be the prayer of every one of us. Let's stand for a word of prayer. I would ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. Where are you at in relationship to the light this morning? The Bible says in Proverbs 4.18, The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. For the believer, if we are walking in truth, we should radiate Christ in our life. And I think this week we will have the opportunity to radiate Christ in a great way to our community. And I trust that you will pray and ask God to help you radiate Christ. But where are you at? We talked about judging, not to judge, last week and reviewed it this week. Would you please look with the eyes of a doctor and not the eyes of a judge? The truth is, if we probably had to walk in the shoes of people that we will see this week, chances are we would think a lot like them and probably be a lot like them because of the experiences they've gone through. What about the light for discernment? that God wants to guide us and that we have enhanced discernment in our lives. 
Our identity is clear that we are to be children of light. We can't do that and walk in sin. We have to walk in truth. We have to honor the Lord, and God will give us direction, whether it's relationships, whether it's decisions. I can tell you God will not let you down. Man will, but God will not. I am so thankful for the Lord's leading in our lives. Uh, that he led us together in marriage, that we have the family we have, that we're ministering in the church we're in. But it all comes back to saying, God, we're willing. Because many of you know our story. 1,600 miles from Virginia, moving halfway across the country was the furthest thing from our mind. But the blessing of God is far greater. It's incredible. God has things he wants to give us and do for us, but we've got to say, God, just like Abraham placed Isaac on the altar, I'm willing to place my life on the altar. And saying, God, I will go where you lead me. I will do what you want me to do. I will say what you want me to say. I will be what you want me to be. Is that your desire this morning to do that? If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you are in darkness this morning. And you are headed for a Christless eternity in a place the Bible calls hell. And the only deliverance is Jesus Christ who died on the cross. I trust that you will invite him into your life if you don't know him. For those of us who are believers, that we will continue to be the light of Christ to the world. As I close in prayer this morning, I would ask our elders, uh, we have someone that has requested special prayer this morning, and we'll meet in the classroom right outside a few minutes after service if you could join us and have time for that. We would appreciate that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the power of your word. Lord, we thank you for the testimony of Jesus Christ and for the challenges that he lays down for us in the Gospel of John, that we are not to be judges of people. Lord, you, we need to leave it in your hands. And I pray that you will help us to look at others through the lens of Christ and see them as, as lost and in need of a Savior. And rather than judge them, to love them. Oh, we can preach against sin, and we will, and should, but we'll also preach grace for forgiveness of sin. Lord, I thank you so much for Jesus being the light of the world, that we don't have to walk in darkness, that we can have the light of life within us. Lord, there are so many decisions we have to make in our lives, and it is crucial that we stay on the path of righteousness, and the only way we can do that is to follow the light of truth. We cannot follow our own conscience. We cannot follow our own judgment, our own emotions. We have to trust in you, the shepherd and guide of our souls, who loves us and who died for us. Lord, I pray if someone's here this morning who has not trusted you as Savior and Lord, that today will be the day of salvation for them. I pray if there's someone here today who has claimed 
to be a child of light but is walking in darkness and is not characterized as a child of light. I pray for conviction of sin, that they will forsake that sin and turn to Christ and become a light to others. Lord, we thank you for your grace in our lives, and we ask your blessing, particularly on this week as we serve you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Lord's Day. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you have any questions or want to know more about our church, please go to our website at www.bchweb.org or find us on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.